Father, I humble myself before you and I ask that you speak through me to your people, give them what they need here today. My desire is to honor you, O oh Lord. And Lord, I just thank you that you know how to reach our hearts, Father God. We want to be obedient servants of you. You are our Lord. You are our King. Help us to discern the times we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. I want to talk to you about a new series, and I, I struggled for a while to kind of title it because there's a number of things I want to talk about in this series, uh, actually even leading up to a very important time in our nation. Probably one of the most important times is the election coming up. Hello, America. Amen. And, uh, you know, we need to know how to act, what to do in this season that we are in. And, you know, this, I sometimes, so I call it the gray zone. And, you know, some would think and dismiss that as like, what are you talking about? It's really clear today. There's really nothing really going on. Hello. Uh, there's a lot going on. And it just kind of was thrust upon us. Uh, it's kind of like a, a tsunami. You turn around and you look and go, oh, my God, there's the wave. It's right there. And it's already moving, heading towards you. And, and a lot of people feel, uh, feel like they've gotten caught off guard. And or kind of stick your head in the sand and go, please, please, please make me a butterfly so I can fly away. Come on, right? So we could just, it's just and, and that's a lot on people right now. They're just, uh, let's just kind of get through this quickly, go back to happy times, and we might be in for this for a little bit more longer haul. All right. And so how does God want us to posture ourselves in this season? And so I've titled this The Gray Zone, and I, I've subtitled this Unconditional Subjugation. And it, it's a big word, but actually it just means the action of bringing someone or something under dominion or control, especially by force or to conquer. And I want to talk uh, initially about, and we'll touch on this in the weeks to come, Romans chapter 13. How many know that that's in the Bible? And I think of the last 20 years, I really, never really did a sermon series to talk about Romans 13. But now it seems important to talk about it, okay? And so that's why I'm talking about it, because it's in the Bible. Uh, uh, there's a spirit-filled worship leader, uh, Sean Fute from uh, uh, California, and he's uh, running for uh, a Congress in California. And he said this, the freedom to worship God is the constitutional right of every American citizen. And those who exercise this right should not be unfairly targeted for criticism. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we want to talk a little bit of lines about that, but I want to just throw up our text, and we're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come. Uh, there are numerous interpretations. I get that. You can open up a commentary and get various interpretations on, on this verse. And, uh, uh, and, and so I'm just going to share in the weeks to come some things that uh, I would like us to consider in this verse, in this verse, in this season. Uh, Romans 13. So I'm just going to take time right now uh, uh, to just read this because it's very important. If you have your Bibles, if you want to pull it up, Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do that which is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. Uh, 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's minister, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Somebody say amen. It's a lot there in that verse. And so, and so here's the question that I have when we talk about this verse. Is this verse saying, and Paul's writing here in Romans, that, that if you read it at face value, it's, it seems like, it seems like unconditional obedience when it comes to laws by governments in nations in the state, and we are to subject ourselves to that. And so I, I want to just challenge that. Can I do that? Is that all right? Can I just throw out a challenge? And you could kind of filter and pray about all of that, uh, especially this season that we're in, in in our nation and actually the world globally, but especially America. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what I, I don't think it can be. So if I give a little history. So I want to read some stuff on history a little bit here today in a moment. But how many know that it's, it's very important for us to understand the times? You know, in back in, in the Old Testament, there was these guys, this group of the tribe of Israel. Actually, this verse is actually a political statement. I had to go back and, and read this again. I thought, oh, that's right. It's actually a political statement. It's actually about putting someone into power over someone else. That's actually what it means. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times, and watch this, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. What is the best course for you to take with your life right now? What is the best course for our nation or other nations and when they elect leaders? And, and so here's the thing. Satan's kingdom of darkness, how many know that it's not static? It's not idle. Neither is the kingdom of God. So you may take a vacation or you may be hunkered down and in your bunker or wherever it may be and hiding out. And, but how many know the kingdom of darkness is moving, trying to take ground? But so is the kingdom of light. All right? And so, so it's not static. And the Bible says that the sons of Issachar knew exactly what to do. And what was that to do? Well, if you just read it, I don't want to spend a lot of time in it. But it was the tribe should get together and they should crown, watch this, David as the new king of Israel. That's what it was. So they knew what to do to crown him. And so I, I just had this, that every generation needs people who can understand the times and know what to do in light of them. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so here's the thing. It's not just a matter. Watch this. Just understanding the Bible, as crucial as that is. Prophetic signs in the wall, no. But it's knowing how, watch this, to apply the truth of God's word to the issues of our day. This is where I feel, even myself, uh, this whole tsunami of uh, this uprising, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm in some things doing ketchup, understanding you know, the, the, uh, the arguments of the day that are out there and all the things that we've been attacked with. How many with me still say amen? amen. And so, so questions like this, you know, where is our culture going? Some segments, it seems like it's going to hell. Right? I mean, it really, it's just, it's scary. I mean, why are people thinking the way they do? And their mindsets today, that's just very intriguing. And you could say, well, it's the universities. 
the indoctrination that has happened, uh, some good, some bad. And anything that is taught that's contrary to the word of God, how many know that's bad? Okay, but that affects your children. And listen, this has been going on for decades. And we're starting to see reaping the wind of this. Uh, at what point do Christians take a stand against these cultural views contrary to God's word? At what point do Christians rise up? When do you, when do you, you know, vocalize all the anarchy? Would we just keep silent at this time? And, and what about, another question, what the Bible says about obeying the government? When certain government leaders begin to forget, uh, excuse me, forbid religious worship, uh, which we're actually, at, we're seeing that now in assembly. You know, the apostles were before the governmental leaders, and it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, and it says this, that the government leaders brought them in because they said they forbade them, watch this, to speak, to preach, to teach, to assemble in the name of Jesus. And you know what they said in Acts 5, verse 29? Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty heavy there, Peter. What are you saying? Um, and, and so, you know, there are, there are, uh, th this is being invoked, pe people here right now in certain states, okay, this right now is being invoked because they're being fined $50,000 a week because they meet in certain states. How many with me? <clears throat> and so, so this is like, wow, this is actually really happening. <laughs> That's amazing. We, we watch television, goes, is this really happening? Yeah, it's happening. So here's the thing. How many know if you're in the real estate business, what are the three words that they say if you're going to start a business? What do they say? Location, location, location. To understand this verse in Romans, I believe, just my thoughts, is context, context, context. I want you to get that, okay? So you can't just read something and, you know, throw out all the rest of the Bible, all the other context in the Bible, and just pitch that and go, it's just what it's saying right here, and, and ignore the rest of the Bible. And so I want to try to help unpack some of that for perspective. How many still love me? Say amen. And so the, the background, the setting, is a critical factor for biblical in interpretation. It's context. And I, I'm saying nowhere is this truer than in Romans chapter 13. Because why? Romans 13 is often the go-to proof text for urging compliance with and allegiance to government authority. Once again, unconditional subjugation. So I'd like us to just take a little history lesson in the past, see how far I can get here this morning. We're going to receive communion in a bit. Uh, but you've heard this said that, I mean, you know, hindsight is 2020. We've just said that. You know that. So this is, a, I believe, a time in 2020 for clarity. This is a time for understanding, not confusion. There's a lot of confusion going on out there. <clears throat> now, let me just throw this question out there. Who would you say that has gone down in history as one of the most heinous, evil people in our time? I can think of a few. Uh, let me just rewind. I would think of when Pharaoh killed uh, male Hebrew babies. Remember that? You know, they didn't want, there was too many males being born, so he issued the edict. And the midwives disobeyed his edict. Isn't that right? And what does God, see, this is why hindsight, this is why it's important to study history. And this is why, and, and so the midwives said no to the government in this case. Okay, relax, but in this case. And so who was right? God spoke and said, 
the midwives were right for not killing the babies. Can I get an amen? So now we have an answer of like, wow, now we know what's right and what was wrong, even though a government official said to do such and such. How many still love me? Say amen. amen. We're going to just keep moving on here. So, so who had gone down? I would say Pharaoh, the Hebrew babies, King Herod. Remember that one? Kill all the babies, the male children, two years and under, because they knew the Messiah was going to be born, and he wanted them, and there was a cry that went up, the Bible said, and it was horrible. They came in, just opened the door, you got a child, boom, kill it right there. And, and so that happened, wicked. Joseph Stalin, right? He was told uh, he was an amoral psychopath. 40 to 60 million deaths. I think he's one of the top on the list of 40 to 60 million. That's more than some nations. He had them killed. Wicked, wicked people. Saddam Hussein, they believed about 182,000 people were killed under his regime. We know Osama bin Laden, over 3,000 Americans in 9-11, and plus thousands more. And the list could go on and on. But I would say one of the guys at the top of the list that I think actually has significance, uh, I would say, is Adolf Hitler in the 1930s. I want to talk a little bit about him and, and, and what happened in the church in that season. All right? So he was a German dictator in the 1930s and 40s. And under his rule, watch this, an estimated 12 million people perished. Uh, approximately 6 million Jews and, and then there are others. And the ones that weren't in, thrown into the gas uh, chambers, they were just hauled out and they were shot in a ditch and they were just bulldozed and buried. Millions of people. It's, it's just, you got to, you, it's hard to comprehend. You go back and look at the photos, and there are other leaders of countries that don't believe that even happened. How crazy is that? And so Hitler thought it'd be a good idea to start the biggest war in the history of humankind. As that, as if that wasn't enough, he also decided it would be a good idea to systematically execute millions of Jewish men and women and children for no reason other than the merits of them being Jewish. You know, how many know that you just can't be a normal person to do something like that, right? Come on. How many know that Satan is involved? You have to think of it. So, so when you see stuff like that, you go, okay, say it somehow the devil is involved in this. The Jewish people in particular is interesting. So now here's the thing. It's easy for us 80 plus years to look back and go, that's right. Amen, Pastor Mike. This guy, yeah, he's demonized. I mean, we can say, you know, hey, we could accuse the German citizens, you know, hey, you know, why did it stop them early on? I mean, come on, just sat by, you let this stuff happen, right? Or this is really stirs me. How about the professing Christians at that time? Why didn't they do something? just a thought that comes to my mind. Like, what's happening? This guy's rising to power. But here's the thing. Let me just personalize it, okay? What if you were actually alive back then as a believer, living in Germany back in the 1930s and 40s? Let's just rewind us back, all of us back there. You got your young family. You got your dog named Max. You got your cat named Greta. Come on. <laughs> you know, and you got your little garden. You doing your job. You get up in the morning, your horse and buggy. You go to your shop. You maybe you, you, you know, work, work in a factory or something like that. You're minding your own business. You come home. You do a little housework. You fix, you know, the sawmill. You're doing your own business. You, you have your little garden. You go to church. You attend church on Sunday. Shake hands with every love, everybody. And, and then there's this guy who comes to power in your country. Kind of wonder, okay. Question is, how would you know when to do something? How many of you have heard the story, the, the, the statement, 
drawing a line in the sand. Here's the thing. I don't know where your line's at. I know where mine is. But I don't know where your line's at. And that's a statement. That, that, that's, a, 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 I think, something that we all need to think about as Christians. Now, I, just in fairness, let me temper this, okay? Just rewind. feel like I always got to temper things. But, 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 you know, I'm talking with one guy, and he's like, hey, man, Pastor Mike, I'm so ticked off, I'm ready to pull up my sword. I'm like, whoa, calm down. You know what I mean? So, so how many know there's extremes? And both sides, extremes. But, but where are we? Have we entered a gray zone? It's to be seen. But here's the thing. You need to know your line. Well, I tell you what, you know, it's okay if they could cancel church, you know, no big deal. We can watch online, but what if they pull the plug online and they start censoring YouTube? And they start, well, you know, uh, I still got my Bible, you know, well, what if they start coming for you? I know these are extreme examples, but the truth of the matter is, I don't know where your line is. A lot of times we, the enemy comes and we draw a line, then we back up. Come on now. And then we keep, and that's what happened in Germany. And that's what I want to just touch on, okay? So I just want us to be awake in this season. Amen? So, and so what do you do? How would you know what Hitler is actually going to do? And we don't really, you know, know even here and today and, and, and how much we have to be faced with what's, what's going to transpire. Excuse me, transpire. And at what point would it be too late? I mean, what about your own well-being? What about the well-being of your family? You know, we celebrate, what, it was about nine women had babies or having babies? I mean, babies are coming out in this church. So if you look back, even though you go, 2020 was just a horrible year, it was a great year for harvest. We got a lot of little babies coming out. A lot of babies. It's amazing. And, and, and so, so but, but what about your family? Your family at the time. And further, here's, here's a big thing right here. What if you're a Christian... And you've been taught that your Christian good behavior, come on, somebody, in society is part of the way that Christians advance the cause of the gospel, right? Our good behavior in society. And, and so, so, you know, in that statement, too, so to me, aligns with Minnesota nice. Come on now. Come on. I mean, I've heard people told me this. to say, hey, preach the gospel at all times and sometimes use words. Don't we just love that in Minnesota? We don't have to talk to anybody. We can just smile. Can't shake people's hands now, but you know what I'm saying. And St. Francis of Assisi never really said that. So you can study that. I taught him that one time. But, but the truth of the matter is, you, you, know, uh, you know, we don't want to pick a fight with the government. Hello, Right? I mean, you don't want to be violent in response to, you know, what, what's going on. We want to be loving. How many with me say amen? Got awfully quiet. But see, see, this is exactly, watch this now, where a young Christian man, a minister actually at that time, was, he, he was in a difficult spot. He's seeing what's going on. He's seeing what's happening, and he's concerned because he knows somehow this can't be right. Oops. What was his name? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many have ever studied about Dietrich Bonhoeffer? He's a young German pastor at that time. And that the whole Hitler train started picking up steam. He was watching one thing after another fall into place. And, and he saw this persecution of the Jews started to gain momentum. And, and after a time, he started, he started speaking out against it in his church. He took a stand. In other words... That pastor drew a line and said, this is not right. Wow. 
guy's pretty bold. He started speaking out against it and with other pastor friends. There was others, too, that kind of joined with him. You know, other people, watch this, who actually believe, like, you know, the Bible, the gospel. Come on, church. Jesus Christ is Lord and stuff. And, and so they started sticking up for uh, the Jewish people. Well, wait a minute, Dietrich. What you're saying and doing is contrary to what the government. Uh, are you in rebellion here? Dietrich, what, what, what's going on? How could you defy the powers that be? You're not right. Here's the thing. Hitler was really smart. He was demonized, but he was very smart. He knew that he had to nip that little civil disobedience in the bud. He knew that. So what does he do? So Hitler calls his illegal church assembly together where he brings together all of these Nazi propagandists. I mean, these are mouthpieces. These are publicists. These are apologists that's the, that come together. And he, so he has them voted, watch this, in the positions of church power all around Germany. And he now knights them and says, you are now German Christians, as we call them. German Christian at this time. But it's part of his party. So what do they do then? Well, they go right to the pulpits. They go right into the churches. Watch this. And they start, they didn't have computers, so typewriters. How many remember those? All right. Not the automatic ones. My grandmother for 50 years, she lived to, to, to be 96, and she worked for the Head Start program in Boston. She passed away a number of years ago, about four years ago. She was in her 90s, and I said, Grandma, will you ever give me, because she still, to the day she died, had the old typewriter. I said, would you give me that? There's a lot of sentiment in that. There's a lot of letters, you know. She still would write a letter to me through the, anyhow. But they started off with their typewriters. They started talking about, watch this, Romans 13. What? So they came into the churches and they started to shout out, talk, get, you know, ascendancy in the churches because they were sanctioned by him. They are the German Christians and they started talking about Romans 13. You must obey the leaders that are before you. Okay, what's going on? And so what happened? Hitler commanded blind submission and unquestioning absolute obedience to him in the Nazi policies. So why? Why did he do that? The church and the state became unseparated. And so what do we have here? So we have in Germany, let's <clears throat> just pull this next slide out, 1930s, Germany's, Germany was primarily Christian. This is the thing that just really shook me as I dug deep into it. Because I really, I knew about it, but I didn't really know the percentages. The rest of Europe was primarily Christian when the Nazis rose to power. In 1933, the country had approximately 45 million Protestant Christians, 22 million Catholic Christians, 500,000 Jews, and 25,000 Jehovah Witnesses. So religion was a huge part of people's everyday life and culture. The majority of people in Germany were Christians. That's a good Selah. Just think about that. And so as with trade unions and other groups organized, the Nazis saw religion as a threat to their total power. So, so what does he do? Once again, he takes this chapter in, in, in Romans 13. This, you can study this. And he, this is where we get the term unconditional subjugation. And so he commanded both Catholic and Protestant Christian leaders to preach this message and to Hitler under the pretense of the Holy Bible, specifically the book of Romans chapter 13. Wow. Wow. So, so when Hitler's aim was to disarm Germany's population, Christian leadership obediently appeased their congregations with... Romans 13. When Hitler's aim was to kidnap dissidents in the dark quiet of the night without due process, hey, 
Romans 13. When the burning flesh of the lawful neighbors, the Jews, manufactured the air unbreathable, hey, Romans 13. How many still with me? Friends, the scriptures say that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. Can I get an amen? We can't have our head in the sand. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Correctly, I'm going to end there because I have so much more. Stand with me if you would, please, because we're going to receive communion. Correctly explains the word of truth. One of the translations says this, who preaches the word of truth straightforwardly. My God, we need men, women, families, moms, dad to preach the word straightforwardly today. Clearly today, not double-minded, not confused, not vacillating, not wishy-washy, not timid, not keep drawing lines in the sand, keep backing up, stand up for what's right. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 2.15 is a powerful verse. Actually, one translation says, teaching the message of truth accurately. What does that mean? Well, it simply means accurately teaching God's word. In other words, the context, what is he talking about? Balancing it out with the rest of the word of God. How many with me say amen? So here's the thing. I want to conclude with this, and we're going to receive communion. The implication to me, that's how I look at it, is that it's possible... Watch this, to inaccurately teach the word. Right? I mean, you watch videos, there's crazy stuff going on. You get these people because the Bible talks about, you know, handling serpents. It's talking about if you're bit, they, what do they do? The church of the serpents. Some crazy stuff, right? They're running around. Most of these guys die, too. You know, what happened? Bit by the snake, you know. Crazy stuff. How many know that's not handling the word of God with truth? It's just, you, you just need some insight here. This is crazy. I hate snakes. Just put the, leave, it, leave it at that, all right? <laughs> Poisonous ones? Are you nuts? <laughs> Even spiders, too. They're nasty. Um, but, 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 but it's possible to inaccurately teach. What I'm finding today, there are believers that are timid and fearful because they don't know their word. They don't know 2020 in the past. They don't understand, okay, this happened in the past, so this must be right. How many of you know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Okay, and so, so we need to uh, learn the lessons of the past. And, and so there are people that can inaccurately teach or, or, or cause us to, 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 to hear about God's word. Misuse it. Misuse it. One thing would be is, hey, you give $1,000 in the offering, God's going to give you $100,000. Baloney. It's not going to happen. You know, this whole thing, too, with the Dave Ramsey, this is so important. Getting out of debt. Getting out of debt. Now, here's the thing. Not everyone's going to be a millionaire. Just going to let you know that. That's okay. But you know what? You could be out of debt. Amen? You know what? And that's how God wants to be freed up. So whether you make $10,000 a year, you're out of debt. How many of you know you're doing pretty good? If you have make a million dollars, then you owe a million one. Amen? You're in debt. <laughs> So, so God wants us to be freed up. But the point is, is how we can misuse it. We can misuse God's word. And he doesn't want us to be that way. I'm going to continue in weeks to come here. But um, bring up the last slide, if you would, please. It's on Romans 13. Does Romans 13 command unconditional submission? Does it command unconditional submission? 
to the government? That's a loaded question. First John 3, 7 says this. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. You know, Jesus talked about that as we get closer to his imminent return, deception is going to be the trademark, right? Deception. Deception is, I think, I think this is right. I hope this is right. I think I'm doing the right thing. And, oh, man, I'm deceived in that. And God says, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to know. I want you to know in that season. How many with me say amen? So here, here's the rub, and I'm just going to throw this in, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go on for this with communion. Uh, ushers, you can come forward, and you can get the communion uh, situated if you would, please. Romans 13, I, I believe, has absolutely nothing to do with one's relationship to the government. Pick up stone. Stone that guy. He just lied. We'll get into the weeks to come. Whether it's the Roman Empire, the first century, or any government today. Wait, what did you just say, Pastor Mike? Remember I said context, context, context. That's what we're going to talk about. We have misunderstood, I believe, and misapplied and missed the point of these verses all because we have divorced them from the original context. And so, Lord willing, we're going to talk about that and what I believe Romans 13 is saying and, and what it's not saying. What it's not saying. And so, here's the thing. God does not want us to be deceived in these last days. He does not want us to be deceived. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Here you go again. Neither, watch this, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty clear when you look at society today in light of that verse, what's right and what's wrong. Can I get an amen? So I have a little thing I want to share once we receive communion. And so I just want to close this, close this segment off. You just bow your heads if you would, please. Those of you may have been watching by television. Or, he said, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. You know, this is a season people are, people are coming into the church, the ones that are open. People are hungry. People are looking for direction. People are looking like, you know, what, what, what is the answer at this time? I just heard a testimony of a pastor shared about uh, a, a gentleman that was actually caught up in the, uh, the homosexual lifestyle. And he was like, he was militant. This guy was militant. And uh, he would march in the parades and and uh, uh, he uh, contracted a, a disease and he was dying and he was full of fear and he's like I need to do something my life is over and I'm concerned and one of his friends said yeah go to this church the name of this church and, and so he showed up at the church and he relates the story that the pastor is reading something that he was like you're not even I'm dying man you're not even speaking to me and he read a verse to him and it so spoke that one verse and he came up to the pastor after, and he said, I need to get my life right. I'm dying. This guy got saved. He got water baptized. He gave his life to the Lord. His whole attitude changed. And later, he did his funeral. He died. But he got right with the Lord. Why? In desperate times and situations, people are going to do desperate things. That's why the church needs to be a beacon and a light, not hiding somewhere. The church needs to be in the forefront. The church needs, if the church is essential, you are essential in this time. It's not the time for the church to hide, to draw back. The church to come forth. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm at that point in my life. I need to get right. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with
with your spirit. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it in Jesus' name.